Hey, listeners, I am just back from a beach vacation, and let me tell you, I have all of the smiling fun splashing in the ocean, hugging at sunset, photos ready for Instagram to show my idyllic life and beautiful family. You know how it works. It doesn't show that bike ride we went on when my son fell off of his bike within the first five minutes and got this scrape that was bleeding on his waist and he didn't want a bike anymore. But we had just rented bikes for like 30 bucks a bike. And so I made him bike. We didn't have any band-aids because we took all the stuff out of the car to make room for the bikes. So we just rode while he cried and screamed the whole time. Well, except for the last mile where he was just seething and quiet, saving it up for later. So um, no, I don't have a photo of that, because as time moves forward, we'll just forget that even happened, right? (laughs) Well, most of us will. Welcome to Parenting is a Joke, right after these ads. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva, because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I used to be chill, it's all up in smoke, I think I'm still fun, parenting's a joke, I was cool, oh yeah, no time to be cool, oh yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to Parenting is a Joke, I'm Bofira Eisenberg. On this show I talk to comedy people about their work and career and what it is like to do that as a parent. Yeah. How the fuck are we all doing it? And in today's episode, I get to talk to the hilarious Ted Alexandro about moving to the woods of Connecticut and what it's like to have two kids under four when you're over 50. For me, being the old dad, I bring kind of a grandfather energy to fathering. It's like, you know, I'm here if you need me, but I prefer not to get involved. By the way, producer Julie recently ran a half marathon. Applause. Yeah, I have never run a marathon. I guess because I've never had a breakup that bad. But she's married with two kids, so I don't know what her problem is. Here's what her kids thought of her 13-mile running triumph. 
Yeah, I recently ran a half marathon and my kids and husband were supposed to meet me at the finish line. I did not see them. Um, They rolled in about a half an hour later and they told me they slept late. But when I was telling them about the race, I said, you know, I actually ran it faster than I did the last time I ran a half marathon, which was before I had kids. It was 15 years ago. And my son said, wow, so was this one a race for seniors? (laughs) And I said, no. And also, I'm not a senior citizen. And he said, oh, well, I thought a senior was anyone over 40. (laughs) You know, as a mom who often feels the overwhelm, the constant grind, the intense worry, and then I add age to it, oftentimes I think, you know what? I do remember energy and optimism. There was a time when I was excited to wake up. Also, I could stay up till 3 a.m., vodka in hand, and then get up the next day and function. Ah, not that I could have had a kid at any other time, personally, in my life, but... I would be lying if I didn't tell you that often on sleepless nights, I lie there and think, man, wouldn't it be amazing if I was just an irresponsible 16-year-old and didn't use protection and had a kid? Because they would be in college. I know, I am completely glossing over how complicated and insensitive it is to say that, but oh, why didn't I just have a baby right after prom? I would have had all this boundless energy for them and gorgeous stupidity. Oh, because you know, as you get older, you do get smarter and wiser, but that just translates into way more worry because you know, like you actually know. But here I am with a super energetic, complicated seven-year-old, and I'm waiting for my colonoscopy results. What a life. But it's not over yet. Yeah, I've still got some juice in me, baby. Got a Capri Sun working through my system at all times. Coming right up, we have the hilarious comedian Ted Alexandro right after the break. Joining me from the woods of Connecticut, a fixture on the comedy scene for, I think, almost three decades. I am joined right now by the very, very funny Ted Alexandro. Hi. Hi, Ophira. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to get out of the woods. So where are you? I'm up in Killingworth, Connecticut. We moved here during the pandemic from Queens, New York, and now we're... uh, you know, it's it's all rural farm life now. You grew up in New York, right? Yeah, I'm a Queens kid, <laughs> born and raised. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a sitcom there or not. Let's just start from the beginning. You have two kids. Can you share the name and ages of your children? Yes, my daughter Goldie is two and my son Nico is three and a half. Two little kids at home in the woods of Connecticut. Okay, so <laughs> how are you working out living in Connecticut and then occasionally coming in to do spots? Or are you doing that as a stand-up? Well, I was doing it periodically more as like, hey, look, I'm back in town, like, you know, once every six months. So it was was a nice change for me. It was nice for everyone to see me. I wasn't overstaying my welcome, you know, because I used to be there all the time. So now it's like I'm a special guest. I'm popping in. But then... You know, I tour with Jim Gaffigan. That's my regular touring gig. I've been doing that for about six or seven years now. Uh, But Jim took off for the summer. So then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I have to fill three months. 
So now I'm not a special guest at these clubs. I'm a regular <laughs> guest at like the Comedy Cellar and the New York Comedy Club and yeah. Gotham. So it's good because it's kind of back to my roots, my old schedule of doing four or five shows in a night where you start at seven in the morning. Uh, I'm sorry, seven in the evening. <laughs> it could and, be starting at seven in the morning. Well, you finish at like two in the morning. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's kind of nice in a way because you know how it is. You get to develop material and all that. But it's also weird because I have been away for so long and just working the road, which is a different animal than, than being in the city. Right. Being in New York and sort of feeling the energy and also just hearing probably, I think, what other people are talking about. And you're like, oh, interesting. This is a little bit of a different vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow, they have jokes about my kids, too. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much most of what I'm talking about is, is parenthood now, um, which is fun, you know, because like I said, I got married at 48 uh, and became a dad at 50. So it's kind of fun to have the old dad perspective. So even if people are talking about their kids, usually my, my thing is a little bit of a different take on it. Yeah. I, I do the uh, older mom perspective is what mm -hmm. I do. And I always say like in New York, it is more common, more common in the sense that it exists, I would say, but it's not yeah. like it's common. That's true. It does exist, but it's not. Yeah, you don't. In a way, it works to your advantage, though, because people don't hear it that often on stage. True. Right. True. For me, being the old dad, there's different angles. It's just fun. I talk about like how I bring kind of a grandfather energy to fathering. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm here if you need me, but I prefer not to get involved. You know? So it's it's a little laid back. Uh, I don't have anything to compare it to. You know, I wasn't a father in my 20s or 30s and I, I cannot fathom. Honestly, it gives me a new respect for friends and colleagues in comedy. You've probably had this experience where they walk into a set with their grown child, like who's in their 20s. And I'm like, I had no idea that you were a responsible adult, like raising a child this whole time. All the time. Matter of fact, until I got pregnant, I had no idea that all these people that I was working with. I mean, I will say mostly men because that was just the the demographic of how it worked. Yeah. Uh, had kids. I was like, what? Did we not drink till 3 a.m. the other Tuesday? <laughs> you have a child. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. Yeah. So you joined this club that you never knew existed. Never knew existed. Comedians. Yeah. So, okay. Two questions based on that. First of all, I, I mean, I do remember, I guess sometime when I moved to New York, you know, you had a joke or a bunch of jokes about, as you mentioned, the truth of your life at the time. You were, I guess, in your early 40s and you were talking about how you were not married, had no kids. And it was sort of like, I, I, I did, did it. it. I, I did it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the name of my, my second album. <laughs> uh, I, I did that set on Letterman where I said, I'm 42 years old, single, never married, no kids. I did it. I made yeah. it through the maze. Uh, so it's like celebrating, you know, kind of throwing the conventional wisdom on its side of of how success is all of those things. But I was saying, you know, like whenever I see couples fighting in the street, I giggle to myself and, you know, <laughs> all of that type of stuff. Um, but, yeah, now it's, uh, you know, a lot of people have thrown that in my face since and said, oh, you made it. huh?" And I, <laughs> I was like, well, I I made it in a different way now. You know, now I'm married with kids at now I'm 54. You know, yeah, so. you get to you get to do it all. You're like, jokes on you. I got to do it all. <laughs> I mean, that's I, you know, we used to have all these jokes about how much I hated kids. And now I'd st <laughs> uh, same premise. 
I can still go with the same premise. Now I just have, I have actual data. Yes. Yes. It's not theory anymore. Yes. I've been in the lab. I've done my, <laughs> I've done my research. Yeah, no, that's true. It's not that you turn into this lovey-dovey thing that is absent of the ability to look at something critically. It's fun to express the things that more, are more about the exasperation. Like I have a joke now where I talk about having two toddlers. And if you don't know how demanding and exhausting that is, look no further than the airline boarding process. <laughs> they begin with two groups of people, parents with young children and active military. <laughs> Those are the two groups that they pair together. And I think that uh, the parents have it harder because only one of those groups has to travel with the enemy sitting in their lap. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like, that's, you know, it's, that's a, it kind of says it all. It's a harsh take to call your child the enemy and compare them to like, (laughs) like a war. Oh, but yeah, they violate the Geneva convention every day. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) For sure. Yes. War crimes are committed on the regular. (laughs) I know when you're touring um, in stadiums and on the road, you know what that audience looks like because they are buying kind of specific tickets. But when you're in a New York club, like I often look out and I just go, Oh, everybody at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday is max 35. Yeah. I mean, that kind of hit me in the face when I went back to the cellar in the last couple of months. Yeah. Because I even have a joke about how being a father has given me a new perspective on the old song, Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. (laughs) Which you you figure is like a touchstone reference that everyone will get. But like you say, with these 35 and under – they don't know, like that joke will get nothing where I, cause I, the joke is that I say, um, he's not a deadbeat dad. Maybe he was just trying to provide for his family. You know, maybe he still had dreams that he's trying to pursue <laughs> for himself, you know, just taking the father's perspective, um, in the song. But yeah, it's like, it's like crickets. Cause they don't know the song. They don't yeah. know that as a, as a reference. So the joke isn't grounded in anything that they, that they understand. So then I like, you know, you try to explain it. But, it, you know, the joke doesn't work the same as what you're talking about, like on the road opening for Jim Gaffigan, whose audience tends to be 40 and up. They have children. They know <laughs> references like Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. So, yeah. So some of that is a little jarring, too. It's like, oh, like we're the older generation now. We're the moms and dads. Uh, the cool kids <laughs> don't know who Harry Chapin is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I get so worked up where I go. I do ask him, like, is anyone else here a parent? Like, let's just say it's a 10 o'clock show, literally on a Wednesday night. No claps. I mean, there might be someone there and they're just not participating. Always a possibility. But I'm just saying it's like a small, small percentage. And then I feel even like more energy about shoving this material. (laughs) Yes. Because I'm like, guess what? This is what I have to say. I'm doing the act. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you you do kind of sometimes uh, have to steal yourself uh, and say like, all right, I'm going to dig in my heels. I'm Because you can get in your own head and think like they're not going to get this. They're not going to like it or appreciate right. it. But that's not true. I mean, you and I, you know, we've been comedians a long time and we've been fans of comedy a long time. And, you know, I mean, I loved Roseanne when she was like the uh, the housewife, you know, like it's not like I had those experiences, but that makes you stronger. Right. Like because then you're you're doing your thing and they're also seeing the audience is seeing that you're not blinking and you're not questioning. You're just 
going straight forward. Right. And I think with stand-up, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, that it used to be kind of the older the better. And then it's sort of switched a little bit to like everything else in entertainment. Like, no, the youngest, newest is the perspective and voice we want. And then it was like, well, what about all these other people? (laughs) Yeah, it's such a good point. I remember watching The Tonight Show when Jay Leno was host and he had on uh, the youngest opera singer. And I remember just thinking like, who cares about the youngest <laughs> opera? How about the best? How about these people that are toiling at their craft for decades yeah. and know multiple languages and lived experience? You know, like they must be watching this kid like going out of their minds. And that's kind of how it feels a little bit. But that's life in the arts. And that's, I think, probably life in general. As you get older, age and wisdom and perspective are kind of disposable. They're looked at not as assets, but as um, kind of like something negative. Yeah, like literally crutches. <laughs> it's literally. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Did you always want to have kids? I did. I'm one of five myself. I have two brothers and two sisters. So, you know, big family. Family was kind of central to my whole formative experience, my whole life. I thought I would, and I saw myself as a father. I was a teacher, too. I taught K through five music. I find that incredible. (laughs) Yeah, I, I taught elementary school music in New York City when I graduated college and I was doing open mics at night. Let's just back it up. You're a family of five. I'm family of six, so I'm familiar with big family. Oh, wow. uh, where are you in the lineup? I'm the second oldest. Second oldest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't the first, but 
there was an element of me almost being the oldest in a way because my older brother didn't quite take the mantle in in all areas. So I was like a little bit more by default and maybe just by makeup, the responsible one. So in some ways I felt like the oldest, even though I was, you know, I mean, we're close in age. We're like 16 months apart. So we we were in the same room and growing up together and best friends. So I did feel a little bit like a third parent at times. Was it set up that you kind of had to take care of the younger? A little bit. Yeah. My sisters are the two youngest. So yeah, I did sort of take on some of the roles of looking after them. Um, and yeah, I think in general, cause like I, I got into theater, musical theater specifically in our neighborhood, we had like a theater group that did plays every summer. So I got into that when I was 13 or 14. You can sing. Yeah. I was a music major in college. Oh my God, you can yeah. sing. Yeah. Yeah. I studied jazz piano, um, piano lessons from the time I was a kid. So music was kind of what I thought would be my first track actually I, I was looking for a way into the arts that theater group was kind of the key that unlocked like huh. being around creative people and like these these are my people so that thought was planted and then it was like well how do I how do I carve out a life that includes these types of people so I thought it m- would be music or piano or something with with that um and then jazz piano <laughs> jazz piano specifically yeah eventually just got into uh sketch and improv in my college just as like a lark, really, and uh, found myself doing doing stand-up comedy uh, as part of a duo with a buddy of mine from the sketch group. So we would go to like the comic strip and stand-up New York and all these clubs, did that for about a year, and then eventually got into doing it solo. But for a while, you were teaching music in New York City, elementary school. Yeah, well- that was my gig, like while I was figuring out stand up and figuring out like what it entailed. And, you know, when we were doing two men, we were doing like maybe four gigs a month or something and, and thinking we would be discovered. You know, once I realized, all right, this, this is a grind that you have to do every, every night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was the shift. So I was teaching during the day, part time. It was like maybe two days at one school, uh, two days at another it kind of complemented the stand-up schedule well. And, and they also knew that I was pursuing stand-up. And I think I, I had my first like um, uh, Conan credit while I was teaching at the school, uh, which was kind of bizarre. And I didn't tell anyone about it, oh you know, but like one of the parents found out or saw me or however it worked. <laughs> but yeah, it was weird. It was like a dual life for sure. I can't imagine teaching anything to elementary school kids. I mean, I have a child, but 30 of them or what have you. But were yeah. you kind of like the cool music teacher that kind of swung in, gave everyone xylophones or glockenspiels, and they were all excited? Recorders. Recorders? Yeah, yeah, recorders, primarily, yeah. I mean, I do jokes about it. Yeah, the recorder, I always had a box of recorders in the trunk of my car, you know, which is <laughs> rather bizarre. But, you know, it wasn't even like 20 or 30 kids. It was hundreds because of the fact that I was part time at these schools. They would cram in like I would have a whole grade, you know, like maybe 90 or 100 kids uh, in the auditorium all at once. And a couple of other teachers or aides would would sit in. In a certain sense, I feel like it helped me with stand up because I was public speaking. I was in front of hundreds of people uh, who I really needed to command their attention and keep their attention and be entertaining. It's funny because just like in stand-up, you find your voice and your persona. In teaching, you do as well. 
And I think I was fun, but I was also a little bit strict because it was like I had to be with a hundred crazy kids, you know, but they knew, I think they knew I was fun and nice. Yeah. That (laughs) is no better training for dealing with a drunk comedy club crowd. It's exactly the same. Yeah. I've often thought that it's really not that different. The tasks are are very similar. (laughs) Okay. So there you are. So you quit being an elementary school teacher, you're doing stand-up full-time, racking up TV credits, you're going on tour. You were not just someone who does stand-up and takes your paycheck or your money and then waltz away. You are part of, uh, I believe, actually even started this collective movement to try to increase the pay at clubs because it was so small. Yeah, I, I was part of the New York Comedians Coalition in 2007, which was a group of probably two to 300 comedians who were asking for a, a pay raise. We had this kind of uh, notorious meeting at the Friars Club where it was, it was almost like something out of the Godfather, the heads of the five families, you know, like all of the comedy clubs had a represent, representative there. And there was probably two dozen comedians <laughs> around the table as well, uh, negotiating with uh, the after lawyer serving as our mouthpiece as well. So, it, you know, it was, it was fascinating to be part of something like that and, and something that I'm proud of. I find that when I talk to other comedians, I'm so now struck by how few actually live in New York. So many people, like I know you were just saying, you moved to Connecticut during the pandemic and it was long overdue, but I, just because you grew up here, but did you, was it also a solution because of a growing family? Yeah, I think so. I, I, that was the main impetus for the move was, you know, we were in a two bedroom apartment in Astoria and it just wasn't practical. My wife was pregnant with our second. So yeah, we said, let's, find a house and some space. Um, so yeah, it, it checked all the boxes to to have a yard and be in nature and all the things that Astoria Queens is not uh, <laughs> especially, but just the adult decisions that you have to make that comedy kind of postpones in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Were you afraid at all? Well, during the pandemic, I, I, I was because, you know, there was no way to work for yeah. uh, almost two years. So there were, there was some tight times financially where I was like, wow, you know, like I never used to worry about money at all because I was making good money for a single person. And then even when I was married or, you know, had one kid, it was like still good. But then I finally got into that mindset of like, oh, wow, you know, like I have to think of now and next year and 10 years and the rest of their lives, you know, like all all the things that I, (laughs) I never thought about at all. So some of that was a little panic and the pandemic kind of compounded that. So yeah, that was an unfamiliar feeling. And also maybe a good check of like, wow, you know, a lot of people live like this all the time, you know, so I I was lucky to really not have those types of experiences for a life in the arts for for three decades. Yeah. But it, it came and found me eventually. Yeah. You did do a live streaming show that everyone could tune into. I found myself more active in some ways where I was doing a nightly live stream on Instagram that I then decided to make um, a, a comedy special. I mean, I was just shooting it on my phone, you know, the way everyone does Instagram Live. But I said to my my director who had directed my last couple of specials, I said, you know, I think some of this could be a good kind of faux comedy special documenting this particular point in time. Uh, so then we just went at cobbling together the best moments, uh, the best hour or so from dozens of live streams. 
And, you know, weirdly enough, the New York Times wrote about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, it said this is a, a, a comedy special for the times uh, and for the days that we're living in. And, yeah, it was very, very bizarre to me that after three decades, you know, <laughs> this was the comedy special <laughs> that the New York Times <laughs> takes note of. Right. It's all about timing. It really is all about timing. Yeah, as timing in a different angle, you know, to differentiate you from everyone else. So, yeah, I put out this this weird little special. Obviously, you had a chance to be at home for all of the things of a little kid and a newborn. Yeah. And then life opens up. Touring starts again. That being kind of a new way to restructure your life with small kids in it for the first time. I mean, were you just like outsourcing a bunch of stuff? I'm flying back as often as possible. How did you decide to deal with it? It's kind of adapting to whatever needs to be done. So at first it was like, well, we need to pay our bills and we need to have regular <laughs> income again. So as many dates as Jim was doing, I was like, well, you know, let's do it. Initially, like when my wife had uh, our daughter, the second child, I was taking the odd weekend off, being home a little bit more. But other than that, that initial period, yeah, it was kind of like, well, yeah, I need to be on the road and doing this is the job that I do. This is the career that right. I have. So touring with Jim affords me the ability to be in front of 10, 12,000 people. It's all good for growing you know, your own career as well. Um, it was an adjustment and kind of figuring out like what's priority right now. And that would shift every six months, it seemed. Yeah. I think I was telling you the other night, there's periods where Jim will go out for 10 or 12 days in a row. It's not so much the burden on me because I can go out. I've been doing that a long time, but now psychically I know what who I've left behind and yes. that my wife is with two toddlers for that period of time every day, 24 hours a day. So you feel conflicted and, you know, you FaceTime and all that, but everybody yeah. rises to the occasion. Is she ever like, I did not sign on for this? I think those words may have been spoken once or twice. <laughs> 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 Versions of that. <laughs> I mean, I will leave for like four days. My husband's like, what did you do to me? <laughs> well, the funniest thing is when I come back, you know, the kids are like, daddy. And then I see her face like, you're taking them for the next 42 to 72 hours. Yeah, exactly. You just hear a door slam and you're like, I guess it's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One person's missing from the reunion. <laughs> I know, I know. And then they're all excited and you bring a toy and you're the hero. Yeah, it's like, look what I grabbed at the airport at the last minute. <laughs> and they were so excited. <laughs> Peanuts! <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> now, you're in the woods. It's summer. You have two toddlers. What is a glimpse into your summer life, Ted? Is it outdoor? Is it indoor? Are you going to the beach? What, pool? I don't know. Yeah, you nailed it. All, all of the above. We have a couple of like little kiddie pools here with sprinklers and stuff. So that's how the day will usually start. Um, you know, we're near the Connecticut shoreline, so there's like state parks and there's uh, little beaches and stuff. There's a beach that has a playground, so that's kind of nirvana for us. Oh, yeah. So, you know, anything where they're not seeking your attention entirely <laughs> for an hour or two is, is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> so is it fair to say that I might be able to see a bit more of you this summer at the clubs? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Until I start again with, with Jim Gaffigan at the end of August, so I'll be around a bunch. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. If you want to see Ted and you're in New York or visiting New York, uh, you can come to the New York clubs. Are you going to post it all on your on your socials and stuff? TedAlexandro.com has my upcoming schedule. And yeah, you can follow me at TedAlexandro across all the various platforms. Yeah, and you can see him on tour like the rest of the year. So wherever you are, more Ted Alexandro is what I say. I'm easy to find. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ted. <laughs> Thanks, Ophira. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck surviving beaches and ticks and beastings, mosquitoes, wildfires, and s'mores. Pass this podcast along to a friend. And for updates and more content, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Parenting is a Joke or on Twitter at Parenting Joke. Hey, we have a Substack. Subscribe to it. There's new content every week. Just go to Substack and search for Parenting is a Joke. Our episode is produced by me and Julie Smith-Clem. Our editor is Nina Porzuki. Our sound designer is Tina Toby Mack. Our game writer is Emily Winter. Our theme song and music is by Adira Amram and The Experience. Special thanks to all of the engineers at CityVox. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. I've made my peace, though. I'm going to be an older dad. I'm cool with that. You know, I bring kind of a grandfather energy to fathering. Very low-key, low expectations. I'll go to parent-teacher night. I'll be twice the age of the parents and the teachers. I'll be like, you guys realize none of this matters, right? Is he eating? He's nice to everyone? We're done here. I'll see you next semester. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.